Hello and welcome to This Day Rocks from Vintage Rock Pod, the ultimate classic rock podcast with big name interviews. I'm Paul Stevenson. Thanks as always for hitting play. Today is September 29th, if you're listening to this on the right day, of course. And some of the interesting rock happenings on this day in history include a chance happening by The Boss. In 1989, while travelling on his motorcycle, Bruce Springsteen called in at Matt's Saloon in Prescott, Arizona, and proceeded to join in with the house band. He also made a $100,000 donation to a barmaid's hospital bill. Incredible. In 1976, whilst enjoying his own birthday celebrations, Jerry Lee Lewis accidentally shot his bass player Norman Owens in the chest. Luckily, Owens survived and went on to sue his boss, rightly so. And there's a couple of Grand Funk Railroad mentions too. On this day in 1973, they were at number one on the US singles chart with We're an American Band, which was a nice birthday gift for lead singer Mark Farner, who was 25 years old at the time. Today, Mark is celebrating his 74th birthday. Happy birthday, Mark. But for our main show, we're looking at the first live album release from a legendary Canadian band. Yes, released on this day in 1976 was All the World's a Stage by Rush, a live double album recorded during their three-night stint at Toronto's Massey Hall from June 11th to the 13th. Now, this record became Rush's first top 40 charting album in the US, going gold a few months after release and platinum two years later in 1978. Now, talking about Rush means I had to reach out to good friend of Vintage Rock Pod and big Rush fan, Mac B from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. And he goes deep into the record and its background. To understand the value of All the World's a Stage, the first live release by Rush, you really need to know the story of 2112, the album that preceded its release in the spring of 1976. Their third album, Caress of Steel, really missed the mark with critics. It missed the mark on sales and radio. And although Rush toured very heavily and was not afraid to do 250 dates a year, even the crowds were starting to dwindle and they were starting to see low numbers, low attendance numbers at all of their shows. And the record company, Mercury, wanted to drop them. But their manager, Ray Daniels, went to the record company, begged for more time, begged for one more album, which they got. But the record company demanded they have more pop sound, they get more hooks in there, and they make something a lot more commercial. Of course, Rush ignored this, right? They decided they'd rather go down swinging as themselves than make it as some kind of Canadian Zeppelin clone. So they came up with this rich concept, this proggy concept of 2112, which is basically a story set in 2112 in the city of Megadon, where the priests who reside in the temples of Syrinx kind of control the population and they set off a galaxy-wide war, resulting in the planets forcefully joining the Solar Federation. So it predates Star Wars, uh, which would of course be a huge sensation in 1977. And believe it or not, it worked. It got on the radio. The fans loved it. 2112 is still the second highest grossing album in sales behind Moving Pictures, which would come out in 1981. Of course, Limelight off Moving Pictures contains the lyric, All the World's Indeed a Stage. So after the success of that tour and those record sales, Getty calls All the World's a Stage something that bought them time as they could come up with the idea for Farewell to Kings, which would be their next album. I believe they recorded that in the UK. 
and the success of 2112 allowed them to tour Europe for the first time. So not only were they touring in Europe, they were spending time in Wales making Farewell to Kings. But honestly, it was a reward, I think, from the record company. They're about to drop them. You're going to have to go back to Canada, tail between your legs, and start working in your dad's farm parts store like Neil Peart would have had to do. But instead, they get a triple platinum album out of it. And so to cash in on that and give people to get a little bit more exposure to the band who maybe didn't know them, who only bought 2112, you do a live album, which will contain songs from all the first four albums. And it started the cycle that every time in the 70s, 80s, 90s, every time that Rush would make four studio albums, they would then go out and release a new live album. And interestingly enough, three of the four had the word stage in their name. As in 1976, it was all the world's a stage. In 1981, it was exit, stage left. In 1989, it was a show of hands. And 1998 was different stages, which not only included material from their recent Test for Echo tour, but a show from 1977 on the Farewell to Kings album. So triumphantly, the boys went back to their hometown of Toronto for a few nights in 1976, June 11th through 13th, to record at Massey Hall what would become the All the World's a Stage record, which not only went platinum in Canada in the 70s, but after the release of Moving Pictures, which is their magnum opus, their number one selling album of all time, it actually also went platinum in America in 1981 and kept them on the road to success for many, many decades. And a big thanks, as always, to the brilliant Mac B from the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Now, if you like classic rock, and as you're listening to this, I'm guessing you do, then you have to check out the podcast. Mac B hosts it with Action Jackson. They do concert reviews, album deep dives, and they speak to some incredible guests as well, some top rockers. So definitely check out the Ugly American Werewolf in London podcast. Well, that's it for today's This Day Rocks, then. I'll be back tomorrow with another classic rock history spot. So until then, take care.